Southwoods. Welcome home. My name is Kristen. I'm the children's director here at Southwoods. And whether you're joining us here in person on the live stream or Facebook Live, however you're here, we're glad you're here. I am here to tell you and remind you that you have one more week to get your Operation Christmas Child boxes in. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, it is a very simple way for everyone in your family to be involved. Um, Samaritan's Purse is a wonderful organization who um, gives you some simple steps as get a shoebox, decide if you're gonna pack a shoebox for a girl or a boy, and what age group. You can go to Target, Walmart, Dollar Store, and you can grab some fun things like a toothbrush, you can grab some hair brettes if you're packing for a girl, some erasers. We've also got some, everyone loves a glitter pencil. And so it's as simple things like those, anything that would bring joy to a child. Samaritan's Purse does a wonderful job of bringing gifts, physical gifts, but also the gift of Jesus to kids all around the world. By bringing these shoe boxes, they're reminding them that somewhere in the world, Someone thought of them, loves them, and cares for them. But not only does, do we do that, but Jesus does that for them as well. So if you have any, any questions, please contact me. All the information you need is in the back of our auditorium with our Operation Christmas Child Board. If you won't be here in person next week, please visit SamaritansPurse.org. They have all the information you need there as well. Next week, November 15th, Cody is going to be doing a wonderful webinar. He is partnering with Blue Springs Christian Church called Tech Knowledge. And it is all about um, the digital age and raising kids and grandkids in a digital age. This is for parents with kids of any age. It doesn't matter. This is for grandparents with grandkids of any age. It does not matter. And so, and this is just for anyone who has technology in their life. So this is literally for anyone. Cody's going to bring wonderful information with Bruce, Blue Springs Christian Church. So we hope you join us. The link is on our website. Um, and if you have any questions about that, please ask Cody or contact the church. Thanks again for joining us this morning. Please stand as we worship. Good morning. Aren't you glad that the Lord is on the throne this morning? Oh my goodness. The world around us, that can get you down, right? But if we remember that Jesus at the right, he's seated at the right hand of God and God is still on the throne, the rest of it doesn't matter. That's where our faith needs to be. So this morning, I hope that you can put aside everything that you brought in that might be troubling you or that you're struggling with and allow the Lord to just speak to your heart this morning. Let's get started.
opportunity for us to trust. It's an opportunity for us to say, Jesus, I know you got this. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.
Father, we're so grateful to you this morning. We're grateful for Jesus, who is our King of kings and Lord of lords. And that no matter what's going on around us or in us, our family, our work, whatever's happening, we know, Lord, that we can trust you because you are faithful. Faithful. And you are true to your word. True to your word. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together and to praise you and to worship you and to say thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord, no matter what it looks like. We know you're working behind the scenes. We love you. And sometimes you're working in front, and sometimes you're on the side or above or beneath. Whatever you're doing, Lord, we know we're covered. And we're so grateful. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat for a moment. This is our opportunity this morning to uh, just remember that it's so, so awesome to be able to give. It's such a blessing to be able to give, and it just, it blesses God's heart, and it blesses our heart when we're able to give, and and our heart should be grateful when we do that. And so there are three ways that, three, (laughs) three ways, not four, three ways to give here at Southwoods. Um, You certainly can bring your offering in to Jackie, just hand it to her. You can mail it in or you can um, do it online, all those ways. And I, I just love the, the thought of when we're blessing, when we're giving, when we're doing what God's called us to do, that it really blesses his heart as a father. And so, yes, we, we do need to give out of obedience, but God loves it when we give because we know it's going to bless him. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go on and sing, continue our worship time, and I know y'all are going to love this next song. Oh, oh, oh. 
worship. Keep your eyes focused on him.
children of God, have a seat. Oh, my goodness. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because when we leave here, we take with us some pretty awesome jewels of wisdom and spiritual influence. And we've been in the presence of God. So that should make us glowing when we leave here. And that makes a difference to the world around us. Amen. Um, this is our opportunity to take communion. And if you haven't gotten your little cup yet, you still have a moment to go back and do that. They're on the tables in the back. Um, but I want to share something with you um, about communion before we do that. All right. From 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five, Jesus told us why we celebrate communion. And he told us when he stated it like this. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So we're supposed to remember something when we do communion. I remember when my, I remember my grandma tying little strings around her fingers or putting a rubber band around her wrist to remember something really important. And that worked for her. And now we have um, our phones to remember things. And we have, you know, notes everywhere and people to help us remember. But we, what we want to remember is what Jesus said. When you take communion, when you do it, remember me. Well, what are we remembering? When we take communion, we are remembering Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The bread and wine are tangible, visible reminders of Christ's love. Rather than simply saying, remember, Jesus gave us a reminder. A reminder. Just as we depend on food and drink to live physically, we can only live spiritually through Christ. That reminder is when we take the bread and the juice, it reminds us that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition and hung on a cross to die for our sins. That's a pretty visual, pretty vivid reminder. And that his blood was shed. His blood was shed for our sins to save us. Communion is a time of just that, communing. It's a chance to bring ourselves before the Lord and partake in the life he has given us through his son, through his son's death and resurrection. So you have a reminder in your little cup right here. But I, I challenge you to think about that beyond just a cup of juice and bread. What is, what is the Lord saying to you today? What does he want you to know? What is he reminding you of? Obviously, his death and resurrection. But for some of us this morning, there may be other things that he needs to remind us of. Let's pray and then we're going to partake. Lord God, we're so, again, grateful for this opportunity to be with you this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death and his resurrection. The death was horrible but it was necessary. And I'm grateful for it, Lord, because I know that because of that death, our names, those of us who call Jesus Lord, are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's huge. But I'm also grateful for the resurrection because I know that because Jesus raised from the dead, we'll be raised with you someday. And we're going to get to be with you. That's awesome to think about. Lord, bless each heart here, each soul, each person, each hurt, Lord, I'm praying for healing today. 
love you, praise you, and thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you this morning. I'm going to ask you if you would, let's bow our heads together and pray one more time, all right? Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for your mercy, your favor, your kindness toward us, the opportunity that we have today to worship you, whether it's via live stream or uh, Facebook Live or being here physically in person. So grateful. We just ask, Father, for your spirit to... Uh, to feed and fill our spirits from your word. That's what we ask for, and we'll rejoice to be your people. Now be with us as we look at Scripture and as we talk together and, and uh, listen for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Well, you know, 2020 has been a real winner of a year, hasn't it? What a year. Uh, it's the year of the forgotten Super Bowl. Do you remember that? Kansas City won the Super Bowl. Remember that? 
So I know it's I know it's far, far from our recollection, but it's the year of the forgotten Super Bowl. It's the year of the coronavirus, the year of the national shutdown, the year of the toilet paper shortage. It's the year of social distancing and working remotely. It's the year of online classrooms, the year of the mask, the mask, the year of lawful protests hijacked by a few lawless people. And of course, 2020 is now the year of the contested election. And uh, it's been an interesting year. And we have eight weeks to go, eight more weeks uh, in 2020. Uh, but who's counting, right? Who's counting, right? I can't imagine what's going to be written about this year as it draws to a close. You know, there's pundits always sit down and journal about a year. And I just think this, how, how do you capture all of this? It just, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. But here's what I do know. If you and I are intentional during the next eight weeks, the next eight weeks, if we're intentional, each of us still has time to redeem 2020. We still have time to make something really good of this year. And the series I'm beginning today is going to help us accomplish that if we listen close and if we take advantage of the things that uh, we're going to be talking about today and uh, in the, the weeks ahead. So, so for today, here's what we're going to think about together. If you and I want to make a significant difference in the world, if we want to do something meaningful in the eyes of heaven, if we want to redeem... 2020 and make something really good of it. Here's what the Bible would tell you and me to do. Instead of focusing on our fears or on our frustrations, you and I need to do something else. We need to serve someone else. If we're going to make something good of this year, if you read scripture and start trying to see how, what really makes a difference, you and I need to take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our fears, off of our frustrations, and we need to serve someone else. Now, when many people see a need in their lives and in their world, what do they do? The first tendency for most is to want to recruit someone else to do something about that need, right? They want to raise awareness of the need. And they do that a lot of ways. Maybe they sound off on social media about how someone ought to do something about this. Or corporate America ought to raise this fund, ought to give to this charity or whatever. This, is the, this has become the norm. It's advocacy. Advocacy. And let's be honest, advocacy has a place. But when you look at Scripture, what we see in Jesus is that Jesus wants you and me, us as his disciples, first to learn to roll up our sleeves to humbly and personally show someone his love by serving that person. Serving them personally in an area of need. It's as if when Jesus looks at us and humanity, he thinks to himself, you know, the tendency, you know, advocacy is a good thing, but... How does the world change, I think he thinks to himself. Changing the world for the better begins by one person helping another person who has a tangible need. That's really how it changes. And in the process, God ordained that both are blessed in the process. Isn't that amazing? How God does this. Jesus routinely taught about this, and today we're going to reflect together on an event in Jesus' life where he's both taught and modeled this as a lifestyle. And my hope is that as we, you know, watch in our world, 
you know, the people of our world wrestling for dominance. I mean, this is, this is what we watch day in and day out. We've been watching it for a year and a half. And guess what? We're going to watch it till Jesus comes. Let me just be honest. It, you know, we can believe that this is like a moment, a window of time where everything's going to be peaceful and wonderful. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Regardless of how this election thing goes, it's not going to be peace and, peace and safety for everybody and wonderful. Why is that? Because there's evil at work behind the scene to assure that there's chaos. Chaos. So what do we do? We have to lay aside our fears and frustrations, and we need to focus on doing what we can all do, and that is there's somebody in your world, in your life, that God wants to bless through you, and in doing that, it's going to bless you too. We have to get back to basics, really, is what we have to do. If you have your Bible, open it with me to John chapter 13. We're going to remind it of Scripture, of how foundational, how basic this understanding is to God himself and we just got to keep it clear in our own heads. If we're going to let Jesus, uh, we're going to let Jesus in this passage remind us how important it is to God that we learn to serve others. John chapter 13, I believe one of the most pivotal passages in all scripture, whenever you understand who Jesus is. This is profound. Uh, it's possible to read it with a level of familiarity that uh, doesn't serve us well. But I want you to get captured this morning the importance of serving others to God. And this is what the scripture says. John 13, start with me at verse 1. It says this, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon, a Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet too? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Never, actually, the text in the New Living said, never, you will never ever wash my feet, the New Living says. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter then exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who's bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him, and that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet, he says. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. 
Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now in this passage, Jesus is modeling and teaching how he wants each of his followers, then, you know, followers past, followers present, to learn to serve others like he does. This is one of his great convictions, one of his great concerns in this particular moment. And for that to actually happen in our lives, there are a number of things that, happen to ha that need to happen. And in particular, what I want to highlight this morning is three common excuses that you and I have got to refuse to make when God begins to bring to our attention a need or an opportunity where he wants us to serve someone else. What, we, we sometimes have these excuses, these reasons for not engaging and and scripture really in this passage, along with other things, kind of highlights these excuses and, and how we can't let them control us or else we'll miss out on the blessing that God wants to share with others through us as well as the blessing that he wants to bring into our lives. So for the next few minutes, I want to highlight these excuses. I want you to reflect on your own life and just wrestle with God. How, to, how do I move in the direction that you have ordained from centuries ago for me to, to move. Help me, God. Excuse number one that you and I have got to refuse to make if we're going to serve like Jesus serves is that we've got to, we've got to refuse the excuse of position. We've got to refuse the excuse of position. And really what's fascinating about this excuse is that it manifests itself two ways. It can say, in some of us, it can just say, well, you know, we see a need. How do we respond? Well, Boy, there's a need. Who am I? What can I possibly do to that? I, I'm nobody. I don't have any gifts. I don't have anything to bring to bear to help in that particular situation. That, and our lack of worth and lack of sense of identity can lead us to non-engagement. It can also happen another way where you and I, because of position, think to ourselves, here's somebody in need. It would be beneath me to help someone in this situation. I would have to lose face. Somebody might look differently at me if I did that. I better find somebody else. I'll become an advocate for this. This is what happens sometimes in our culture. In the text, though, we see Jesus, who had a really clear sense of his identity. And what's fascinating about it is that his position is way up here, and yet he still engages. Look at verses 3 to 5 one more time in John 13, where the text tells us this, that Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and returned to God. When I was reading that this past week, I just kept, because of last week's message, I just kept having an echo in my mind. Remember last week, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been entrusted, has been given to me. Remember? All authority in heaven and on earth. The things visible, the things invisible. I mean, all of this is, is under his influence and domain. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. So what's he do from this place of a very secure identity? What's he do? Verse 4, he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him, the text says. 
Now, you got to get the picture of what's going on here. If anyone could have ever legitimately said, serving somebody, washing my disciples' feet is beneath me. Everybody, if anybody was ever justified in that, Jesus was that person and this was that situation. He could have easily said, I'm too important. I need an angel to come do this. I need somebody else. I ain't one of you disciples to do this. Or he could have just like held his nose and looked the other way, I suppose. It's what he could have done. But Jesus didn't do any of that. Instead, he just served them. He served them. But he added this word of instruction to all of us who are his followers who, who sometimes get our identity foggy in our minds. And sometimes we think too highly of ourselves or we think too low of ourselves and it becomes a problem. And so what's he say to us in verse 16? Look at verse 16. He says to his disciples then and now, I tell you the truth, slaves, servants, some translations say, are not greater than their master nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Here's what's significant about that, friends. Jesus is clarifying our identity right in that illustration right there. We're servants of the Most High God. Or as Paul the Apostle said repeatedly, I'm a bond slave of the Lord Most High. I mean, I'm a servant. I'm a, I'm a slave. He's the master. He's the Lord. He even acknowledges that in the very text. And I'm a messenger on behalf of the one sending the message to people. Why should we serve? Because we have really clear identity that I'm a servant of the Most High God and I carry the message of God's goodness and grace and love to the people in which I come in contact with. And every time I miss an opportunity to serve, I'm missing an opportunity to convey that idea, that truth, that understanding to a world that desperately needs to know that there's a God in heaven who cares. We can't let position, a sense of inadequacy, a positional inadequacy or positional inflated sense of our worth. We can't allow either one to get in the way of us becoming who God's called us to be. So are there people that God's been prompting you to serve in some way? And maybe you've been tempted to use position, your inadequacy or your loftiness of position in your mind. You've been tempted to use that as an excuse for not helping. We you got to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus, who is both Lord, Master, Teacher, Savior, who saw need and engaged and calls us to do the same. There's a second excuse that we need to refuse to use when God prompts us to help someone. Second excuse is what I'm just calling the excuse of approval. What do I mean by that? Jesus didn't let people's approval or disapproval become a convenient excuse for not serving them. I mean, he, he, just, he just engaged, and so should we. Verse 6 and following paints this picture, just makes this description. Look at the, where it says that when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing. 
but someday you will, which is indirect way of saying, yes, I'm going to wash your feet. You don't get it. I'm yes. Saying yes without saying yes. Right. That's what he's doing. Peter says, no. Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter, you know, this is where we begin to understand the extent to which Peter says things without thinking. He just sort of like enter his mind, come out his mouth because immediately, one minute he's saying, no, you'll never wash my feet. And the next second he's saying, well, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. I mean, he's just kind of a ping pong ball ricocheting around here. Here's the point. Peter didn't understand why Jesus needed to serve him in this way. Some of the people God may call you and me to serve, they may have absolutely no clue why he's prompting us to serve. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, sometimes you may not fully understand why. I mean, you will understand what God wants you to do. You may not understand why God wants you to do it. The point that I'm trying to make is that don't easily allow people's protests, their disapproval to be an easy out for you, especially if you understand it's the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something. Here's the point. We need to listen less to the protests of people in need and more to the prompting of God's Spirit within. Because ultimately, who are we serving? We're serving God, ultimately. All service that really changes things flows best out of the heart where we're serving God and out of the overflow of our service to God, we're actually benefiting somebody else in a, in a tangible way. We can't let people's approval or disapproval become an excuse for non-engagement. If we allow their approval to become, you know, where they're saying, oh, yeah, 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 what happens? We, you know, we lose sight of who we're serving. We allow their disapproval to get in the way, needs that really the Holy Spirit knows need to be met that maybe the person doesn't even understand. The need goes unmet. We've got to come to the place of peace in our spirit where we're listening to God and serving and doing what He instructs us to do. But there's a third excuse that God would not want us to make when He prompts us to serve someone. The third excuse is this. We need to resist the excuse of pain. Here's what I mean. If anybody could have let the excuse of pain detour them, Jesus could have been that person. But Jesus didn't allow his imminent betrayal by Judas, denial by Peter, abandonment by all the other disciples. He, he didn't allow his imminent suffering that he understood was coming. He didn't allow all of that to become an excuse for not serving somebody in a fairly mundane way. I want you to listen to what Jesus said to Peter in verses 10 and 11 one more time. Look at look what it says in the text. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And here's the point. You disciples are clean, but what's he say next? But not all of you. Not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus clearly understood precisely what was coming. 
you realize that this moment is just before, I mean, this is the Last Supper. It's the beginning of the Last Supper. How many of us would have washed Judas' feet if we'd known that in just minutes he was going to betray us unto death? How many of us would do that? That's what Jesus did. In our culture, pain, and often just the threat of pain, is sufficient justification for not doing something. The threat of sickness is influencing lots of us right now to do or not do certain things, right? I mean, it's just the threat of it. And this is just, this is no, this is just the way the world works. But what you and I have to understand is what we need to learn from Jesus is not to allow pain or the threat of it to become an excuse for not serving God or others. It's like he's called us to be people who serve regardless of convenience, regardless of pain, regardless of the consequences to us. We see this in Jesus' life over and over and over. It's Jesus who reaches out and touches the leper. Do you remember this? There are cases of this over and over and over again in Scripture. If we let pain or inconvenience or personal threat to become an excuse for non-engagement, an awful lot of things that God wants to happen will not happen. Instead, we need to listen to Jesus who said this to his disciples past and present, John 13. This is kind of his own summary of this moment. Verses 12, middle of verse 12 and on. He said, do you understand what I was doing? It's a rhetorical question. They really didn't get it. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. You're right. He validates his, his identity here. You're right, because that's what I am. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. For doing them. Honestly, as I've read this passage over the years of my life, many, many years at this point, Jesus was speaking these words at the beginning of a long, dark night of suffering that would forever change the world. But amazingly, his focus was not on the grand scale of what was about to happen. His focus was on the immediate need that was right in front of him. Everyone had dirty feet. And they were at a friend's home. And it was a special occasion, Passover. And somebody needed to do something about the dirty feet. So what did Jesus do? He did something. He didn't advocate for somebody doing something. He did something. He rolled up his sleeves, so to speak, and he humbly, personally washed his disciples' feet. And just as he, the master, has done, he wants us as his servants to do. 
follow in his footsteps, his example of humbly serving those around us. So I need to ask you, is there some person in your life who has a need and God's been prompting you to serve that person, to help them some way? Maybe there's someone right in front of you, but you've been so distracted by election, pre-election coverage or post-election coverage, or maybe you've been paralyzed by protecting yourself from COVID-19, and it's just not occurred to you to engage in helping the person. Friends, I just want to remind you, you still got time to redeem 2020. You and I don't have to spend the next eight weeks of the year paralyzed by all of these things. We may have to be creative, but Jesus has shown us that changing the world for the better begins by one person actually helping another person who has a need. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of needs and ways to meet those needs. Maybe you know somebody who needs a meal or you know somebody who needs transportation to his or her doctor or pharmacist. Maybe you know someone who has, needs a lawnmower repaired or a listening ear and an encouraging word. Maybe you know somebody who needs help with a computer. Maybe you know someone who needs help with a resume or on and on I could go. I said, there are just hundreds and hundreds of these kinds of things, literally hundreds of them, ways that you and I can personally, humbly, selflessly serve somebody else if we won't allow excuses to get in the way. And in the process, they'll be blessed, and we will be too. And the world will be a little bit better place, a little bit better. Kept thinking about it all week. You know, we were made by God to be our brother's keeper and our sister's helper. We were. So let's find someone to serve this week and begin to redeem the rest of this crazy year. Deal? Deal? Kind of weak, kind of weak. Deal, deal. It's the kind of focus that God would have his people to always have, regardless of the circumstances. And that, that's true on the night before his betrayal, death, It certainly applies in our time, too. It does. So let's follow our master. Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer. Before we pray, though, I just need to ask you, if, you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I just want to plead with you. Open your heart to him. He's good. I mean, look at the kind of person that he is. Though he's God in flesh, he laid all of that aside to provide a way of rescue from the consequences of your sin and mine if we'll just humbly receive him. Invite him to become our resurrected Lord and Savior. We just ask him, just ask him, Lord, fill me, cleanse me. Maybe you need to tell him, Lord, I, I, I've always thought of you as my Savior, but it's time I become your disciple. It's interesting. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. He doesn't say, go and make 
Christians, you know, meaning people who just agree, so to speak. He wants us to, you'll be blessed if you do these things, he says. It's not enough to just know them. It begins with knowing, but it's about doing. Maybe some of us need to say, Lord, I want to be your disciple. I will follow in your footsteps, even if I don't like every implication of that. I will follow because you're my Lord, Master, Teacher, and I want you to be my Savior. You've never been baptized in water. Let us know. We can help you do that. We baptized three people in the last two weeks. Maybe you need to be four, and somebody else five, and somebody else six, and seven, and so on. Numbers have cried out to Jesus for forgiveness, but we've never demonstrated our surrender and our faith in Christian baptism, a public expression of our faith. The Bible makes abundantly clear. So maybe you need to follow Jesus in that. You can let us know if you're listening online or via live stream, Facebook Live in some way, uh, just pastors at southwoods.org. Even if you're in some remote location, we'll help you find a place where you can obey Jesus in this kind of thing. Even if it's not here, uh, you can do this safely. It's just a matter of doing what we know to do. So let's bow our heads and pray. And just invite Jesus to help us serve others like he served us this week, okay? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for every person within the sound of my voice, the purpose and the plan, the plan for blessing that you have in store for every one of us. You want us, you have people you want us to bless in ways that you want to bless us as we bless others. It just requires us taking our eyes off of our fears and our frustrations and ourselves and focusing on others listening to your spirit, doing what you lead us to do. Ask, Lord, that you'd help us to do that this week. Would you go with us as we leave this place? Would you empower us for the sake of Jesus' kingdom? And our request is and always that your will will be done on earth as it is in the heavens. And may it begin with me. May it begin with me. It's our request, Lord, and we lift it in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed with me and said, Amen, amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.